Hello and welcome to my podcast, Concept Aware. I am Jay Sibylla Smith. Here, I host unscripted conversations with contemporary photographers, curators, and critics to discuss concept development and the photo bookmaking process. I utilize my trademarked framework, Concept Aware, to investigate how each artist sees and how their creative practice is layered. This framework heavily influences how I conduct my interviews by identifying the layers within each guest's creative process We learn the choices and decisions that move their abstract idea into a tangible object. Today, I welcome Barbara Peacock to discuss American Bedrooms. Her second book, based on a long-term project, this one spans seven years, 400 bedrooms, and 50 states. We discuss her inspiration and the development of her heart-stoppingly poignant map-making, a true anthropological study of the emotional, political, spiritual, and psychological. In image and text, along with her collaborators, she captures the messy, energetic, eccentric, passionate, and playful true landscape of America. We're so glad you're here. Let's begin. Welcome, Barbara. I have had a journey as I encountered the subjects of your latest book, American Bedroom. It is truly a romp, a messy, energetic, playful, and heart-stoppingly poignant one. You deliver a fly-on-the-wall view of a day in a life. In this case, an American life. Specifically, you ask to make portraits of an individual or couple or more who share a bedroom. To be in this place, this space, we become aware not all bedrooms have walls or a roof or are enclosed at all. Bedrooms have been described as, quote, where we take the day off end quote. What the bedroom is, is the home of our most intimate acts. There is one unifying reality of all bedrooms. They are where we rest our heads. It is where we sleep. And sleep is our most vulnerable state. You bring us into the lives, loves, and spaces of ordinary people all over America. They share themselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, politically, and psychologically, all by the nature of where you meet with them to collaborate and capture what you are after, your book subtitle, A Reflection on the Nature of Life. Who knew a CPAP machine the mechanical assist for sleep apnea could lead to such a marvelous magnum opus. Your love of light, knowledge of art history, and seemingly ingrained appreciation for wit and irony converged. Your experience and education formed a firm foundation, and you bravely 
followed your instincts and intuition to begin this seven-year journey. You allowed the work to lead the process and to become aware of your role as a conduit. You listened to both the captured portraits and the stories told and shared once you entered this most intimate of spaces. Like Walker Evans, you embrace a documentary style and are drawn to what he describes as the quote, aesthetically rejected, end quote. The working class folks, those as you note who are seemingly beneath knowing. The millions of Americans that actually constitute America and whose stories are hidden under the cacophony of our 21st century noise. You allow your viewers and readers a portal to encounter true grit, intrepidness, passion, freedom, isolation, nostalgia, fierceness, resignation, grace, and joy. We traverse landscapes and witness hopes and dreams, some dashed and some found whether we are in Bliss, Idaho, or Paradise, California. You remind us that all lives contain multitudes, and they deserve to be seen, heard, considered, and honored. I be believe you hit our vagus nerve, the thoroughfare of energy of contemporary America. You hit all 50 states, photographed over 400 people, truly bringing us to the heart of the matter. This is America. I can see how all your previous experience of photographing life events, hometown events, weddings, being on the streets to capture worldwide the humanity of lives led. You perfected your lens. You sharpened your skills and you did become a human fly with a camera and you brought in your very open and receptive heart. So thank you, Barbara. I'm so excited to talk to you and understand how this intentionality developed because I allude to your first inspirational morning and you can give us a, an insight into how it grew. Well, first of all, thank you for what you wrote and said. And I'm sitting here listening to all that. And I'm thinking everything I did over seven years was worth what you just said. Oh, thank you. Just really summed everything up. Um, I'm a photographer. I can write a little bit, but I'm not a writer. And, you know, some of us photographers have a rough time writing mm. and, and we have to do it. Uh, but what you wrote was absolutely beautiful and poignant and uh, beautiful emotional language. And I feel honored. So thank uh, you. You're most welcome. And here's I the thing. I'll close this door. Hold on one sec. Sorry. That's no problem. While you close your door, I'm going to cough. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, we're unscripted here. Yeah. Um, but the idea too is for me, I ride shotgun on your creative practice. 
that's how I describe it. And what I feel I bring to it is the um, desire to put it into words to amplify it. So that's, that's very my- well. It's very well. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're most welcome. So I, I crack up because I can completely picture your original inspiration, which happened to be in your own bedroom. Um, but it was a bit of a mashup. So if you want to yeah. give, give us a, a sure. look into that, sure. Yes, yeah, a funny thing, really. You know, I think a couple of things about it in general, I think as artists, mm-hmm. we have a lot of ideas all the time. Oh, I'd love to do this. Oh, I'd like to do this. It's just kind of how we are. And I always refer to photographers as artists in general. I just think of all of us as artists, whether we're writers or dancers or musicians or whatever, we're just artists. Um, So I think ideas come and go, but this particular concept and idea came as I have described many times. One early spring morning, I just got up. I went to the window to look out to see my flowers, if they were growing. When I turned around, the light was very low, very amber, and it was just cascading across my husband who was wrapped up in a sheet. And, you know, it was beautiful light. And, you know, I do have a background in, in you know, fine art and drawing and painting, and it just looked like a Renaissance painting to me. <laughs> then he had this snore mask on and I just chuckled, went down, got coffee, came back, sat down, and I started thinking about what our bedrooms are for us. And uh, that it's more than just a place that we sleep, but it's um, a tribute to things in our life, you know, photographs, um, little um, save things that you save in your jewelry box. And I refer to the little notes that my children wrote Mm -hmm. um, to me, which are precious, so precious to me. And our books and things on our side table. I started thinking about our side tables. And I looked at mine and I saw what I had, my sleep aids, my little books and, you know, water and coffee rings. And when I saw the coffee rings, it just <laughs> something went off in my head. And I'm like, well, you know, like God is in the details. Looked at my husband's side and what he had. And I, I just started to think about all the things within, like you say, either four walls or not, not walls, maybe not a ceiling. But in my case, I was thinking about the bedroom and how really it's an, anthropological study of human nature what we have in our bedrooms mm-hmm. how much how little the colors uh all that so i just started thinking about it in general and i started asking people well hey what do you think about this what if i was to photograph people in their bedrooms and people were like well that's kind of interesting and so i started asking people well would you do it for me and so the first person that I photographed was Jessica and she's the sort of Botticelli-esque woman in the S-shape smoking the cigarette and that was my very first shot that I did it took me a while I met her at a flea market and I told her the concept and she said sure so I had her number on a little piece of paper I had it for about a month before I did anything and then I finally called her and said what date could we do I went up there and I knew a handful of things about this project before I started. I knew situations would be low light and I'm not a tripod shooter. I didn't even, I'm not even on a tripod when I shoot for like Nickelodeon or Disney. They're always like, Barb, get off the tripod, move around. 
I don't like tripods, but I knew that I would need one for this whole project because I was going to be in interiors and there would be low light situations. So I went with a tripod. I went with a 20, 28 millimeter lens, I believe for that first shot. Uh, there, I, the whole project is shot on one lens, basically 24. Um, I went up, met her, set up my tripod. I'm on that little table in a camper that they have in the middle there. And she got on bed and, you know, she had a striped shirt on at first and she was very awkward and stiff. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of rolled with it. You know, I don't like to be too pushy at first. We're kind of getting a warm up going and she was very open. And I said, uh, do you have another shirt? Let's see what else you might have. And so she took off that striped shirt and she had the little blue bra on. I said, well, and I always ask people what they're comfortable with. How do you feel about just being in that in your shorts? She said, sure. So I went over to her and kind of instructed her a little bit how to twist her hips into a little bit of an S shape. She had one cigarette left and she wanted to smoke her cigarette in the picture. I said, okay, let's do it. She lit her <laughs> cigarette and I don't know, I took about eight shots and uh, you know, in there was the one. Mm -hmm. I got, uh, so, you know, this was a new project for me and a lot of this folds into social media mm -hmm. and we can talk about that, but I posted it on uh, Facebook at the time. I think I wasn't on Instagram so much yet. Mm -hmm. And people were just really crazy about it. And that was a big surprise to me. Uh, I was like, oh, interesting. So then I just was encouraged. You know, we need that encouragement as artists. You know, if you're working on something and you don't get any reaction for a long time, it's really hard to keep up on it on a project. So uh, the next person I photographed was the gentleman in, in, the, in, the, in the bedroom with the wolf head on. <laughs> <laughs> and he was my son's roommate and he when I asked him if he would do it he was like yes 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 please yes please <laughs> so I went and photographed him and that was actually his bedroom I had heard it was a crazy bedroom so I said oh that would be fun so I went and photographed him and uh and and posted that and uh I just sort of started that way that's how the whole project started and I felt like I had some uh interest behind the project people were commenting people were enthusiastic about it and I was encouraged to uh, carry on mm. and it's interesting because then you utilize social media to actually ask right some online forums to absolutely to, yeah yeah. So you, the next question people ask me is, how did I get my people? Mm -hmm. It was a myriad of ways, really. Uh, in the beginning, it was Facebook or mm -hmm. just friends, people that I met, obviously yep. neighbors, you know, uh, but Facebook, I would post on and say, I'm doing this project and people would answer me. And I, I did this young girl. I think she was about 12 sleeping with all her dolls. Mm -hmm. And I, I did her. Um, and then I decided to go to the South. I was always fascinated with the South and I wanted to go to the South and do some photography down there. And I went three times to the South. So the first time I went was to visit a friend that lives in, in, in Boone, North Carolina, and he knew some people. So that was, and I actually photographed him as well. Um, and then another thing is meeting people mm -hmm. on the road. Mm -hmm. So how it all kind of broke down ultimately, how I did this project was, reaching out on social media, Facebook and Instagram saying, I'm going to Atlanta. Does do you know anybody in Atlanta? And then people mm -hmm. would say, well, my aunt lives there or my grandparents live there. Maybe they don't want to do it, but maybe they have a neighbor. 
So there would be that sort of network and I would reach out to those people and talk to them and show them examples, et cetera, and make appointments. So before I would leave on a trip, I would have appointments, mm -hmm. you know, for portrait shoots. So that was always great, but you got to leave it open for serendipity. You got to mm -hmm. leave people that you're going to meet because that's the sort of essence of that area. And it's a wonderful it's a wonderful situation when you meet someone and they're excited. So what I, what I did was I made these little cards about this big little four by six cards. And uh, it just said who I was. And it said a little bit about me. And I believe uh, that was after I won the Getty because I put on there that I, you know, to have credentials mm -hmm. that I had written up in the guardian and it written up in New York times and New York post and these things. And people can relate to that. So they can see that it, you're, incredible mm -hmm. person and mm -hmm. um so in the south i remember going so i would go to diners because mm -hmm. everybody knows everybody in a diner or a hair salon or a hardware store all of the, or gas stations okay <laughs> if i was a younger person i would do american gas stations across the country because gas stations are fascinating and i met so many people so all the locals so those places you can meet people I was in a diner in the South and I told uh, the waitress what I was doing. And she turned around, grabbed the hard line phone, just said, I can't, Auntie Emma, I got a photographer coming. She's coming down right now. She's coming to interview you. She's coming right now. Get ready. <laughs> so we went Those are the best, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, you have to leave room for, for that. And I have a little bit of, I don't know, just sort of uh, a, a, a theory on the whole thing is that just kind of, it just will fall into place mm -hmm. uh, somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, well, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm thinking of a couple of things at the same time to underscore. One is that your, your original, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the circumference of where you were reaching out was one thing, but something led you to go geographically outside your, your uh, more local ability to do this. And, and, and so I'm wondering where in this process you started to think about the kind of regions of the United States, because honestly, you know, uh, you could, you could consider that some of them feel like you're going to another country, right? There's very, very different ethos and cultures, um, everything, history, tradition, et cetera. Um, so when did that click for you to leave? Like you're based in New England, so you- yeah. Well, I'm a big thinker, a broad thinker. I always <laughs> damn, let's do it. So I, I think from the, the get-go, I'm like, this is a great idea. Let me do the whole country. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, Barb, you're crazy. I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> so, uh, I'm used to those, used to those yeah, yeah. wacky ideas that I then follow. Exactly, exactly, thinking big, thinking broad. So yeah, I was like, oh, this is great. Let's do that. Let me do all 50 states. You know, and somewhere in the middle of all of it, maybe year four or something, or maybe around COVID or something, I was just like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Because I still had about 25 states left. Oh. 
And, you know, we can talk about, you know, how I did it with funds and raising money and everything, but there's a lot to it. And I was just like, for a minute, just like, what was I thinking? But it all ended up working out because you have to get creative and, and finish it. You know, mm -hmm. that was the thing for me was to finish it. You know, I got to finish the project to completion. Well, it's so interesting because, um, yes, I, well, a couple of things again that I want to go back when you were talking about giving the card to let people know when you're in the South and you didn't have that uh, geographic connection, um, you know, you were a northerner in a southern space, um, you found ways to give the people who would open their bedrooms to you credibility for what you were doing, but it also instigated that kind of um, synergy that needs to happen where you got exposure and then you got amplified. And it's kind of like the awards both um, get you a wider audience, get you that validation, potentially fund you, but it's this whole idea of how it's a dance, right? It is yeah. a dance. And, dance. Yeah. And, and when you talk about, you know, um, what was I thinking? I mean, sisterhood there, like <laughs> <laughs> that is like life story, right? Yeah. Um, it's like yeah. after you make this big, bold idea, then it's like now I make, you know, you have to make it happen on so many levels. So I get that. But it sounds like um, you somehow managed to keep all those pieces going. And I appreciate um you know, somehow from the book, I also got that idea that there's a lot to it, that this was not a, um, oh, you know, let me get in my car and the gas is going to be funded and where I'm staying is going to be funded and my material is going to be funded and my marketing is going to be funded. Like, no. And like having to do <laughs> all of that on your own. And also, like you mentioned you know, sometimes you might make a portrait appointment and it not, the person might not show or something where you had no's in addition to your yeses. Oh, yeah. Where, oh, yeah. where, where'd you get your fortitude there? How'd you deal with that? Well, I think it's built in. <laughs> it's an, I think it's just for me, it's a very innate uh, characteristic mm -hmm. that I have. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's good. Um, yeah, just plug along and do it and find a way to do it. So I can be very creative uh, and clever. Mm. So I came up with some different ideas on how to raise money. I mean, when I first started the project in 2016, right after hometown was done. And I did want to say that, you know, there was a, a little thing about like how our minds are also clear once we finish a project. So uh, we have we have an ability to think in a, in, in a very crystal like manner mm. already finished. So I had just printed hometown when I had that whole experience seeing my husband. So, and that's how that, that all came. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, so I think in the beginning I was just trying it on, you know, trying it out. And then with the encouragement, I just decided to just, you know, plug ahead. So I went to the, I, I had done local, people that I knew, et cetera, in the Northeast. 
And then I decided I wanted to go to the South. I had a friend who lived there and we went down and, and visited him. And uh, I did my first, my first experiments with meeting people and trying to line up shoots, et cetera. So when I got back, I think at the later part of 2016, I had about 15, 20 strong images. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, and I can actually say exactly where and when, this is an important point, when I was photographing Papere, who's the gentleman who's sitting with the rosary and the cross and the and the religious figurines, that was my friend's uncle. Mm. And so when I photographed him, we he made us crepes after and we were having crepes oh. in the kitchen. And I was asking him some questions. Now his wife had just gone into a nursing home. And then he made that statement that every morning he gets up and I try to be quiet so I don't wake her. And then I remember she's no longer here. And when he said that, it was like a lightning bolt went through my whole body because I wanted to cry. The emotion was so real and I wrote it down. And then that's when the light bulb went off. I said, oh, this is more, this is not just a photographic project this is much more about the people Mm. so I went back to all the people that I had photographed mm -hmm. and got them to make statements Mm. Mm -hmm. then I applied for grants so in the later part of 2016 when I had approximately 15 what I would call strong images uh, and and statements then I started applying for grants and I think I, I I had I hadn't done a lot of it before so I think I applied for maybe I don't know eight or ten mm-hmm. and the Getty was in there and you know in the spring you start getting your rejections so <laughs> I literally was okay so this is a true story I was getting rejection after rejection and I was we moved to Portland and we rented uh the downstairs uh floor of this three-story beautiful building and the two floors above uh, were the owners and we became very close with them and I was out on the porch and I had two rejections that day and my 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 landlord said to me he's like hey Barb how you doing with all those (laughs) applications and grants I said terrible I just got two more rejections in one day and I went into my bedroom and I I told myself well this might this might be too hard being an artist. This just might be too hard. Maybe what I should do is just hang it up, go get a job at Trader Joe's and be a normal person and work nine to five and just enjoy life and forget about all this. And and, and I was so depressed for the day and that's all I was thinking. And then the next day I woke up and I said, what the hell? What are you talking about? No, just plug on, just keep going. And a week later, I won the Getty. Wow. wow. And I told myself, I told myself, I said, you know what? When I woke up that next day, I said, all you have to do is take better pictures. This is what I told myself. Mm. So that's how you have to, I feel like a lot of times, you know, you've got to like kind of grab yourself by the bootstraps and just give yourself a little talking to and just say, and that's what I came up with was just take better pictures. And then a week, like I said, I won the Getty. So that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. $10,000. Mm-hmm. And it was a situation where that particular year, I got to go to Pepillon to uh, Visa Polamage to get the mm-hmm. award up on the big stage. I don't know if you've been there, but it's yeah. really cool. 
and, uh, you know, mill around with all the photojournalists. And I was literally a fish out of water. I mean, I'm not a photojournalist. And it was an incredible experience. And then at a cocktail party, one of the Getty representatives came up to me and said, the Guardian would like to do an article about your work and they would like to have more than five images. Would that be okay with you? And I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, um, I guess picture bridges, right? Like you get yourself over the troubled water <laughs> and then the ground comes up to meet you. And uh, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart, not for oh, the no. faint of heart, but it's yeah. so incredible. I thought, you know, there's so many things that you do that I took um, pleasure in finding. So, you know, my concept aware framework has very specific ways that I, I um, think about, you know, what you're talking about, which is really a Hansel and Gretel moment, right? It's like you're picking up breadcrumbs. Um, you're getting in touch with your intuition. You're actually talking to yourself about your own visual voice. Like you're not, yes, you got some outside reinforcement, but then it also, you know, you were kind of kicking your own butt to say like, I just have to make these better. Like you very much aligned yourself over and over. Um, one of the things that I wanted to point out, because they're some of my favorite things, is you used envisioning. Like you envisioned that very first time with your husband, you allowed your imagination to envision, and then you went and made that happen in reality. Like that's a huge step. And, and, and I try to like unravel the process and give people the chunks of it because once they hold the chunk, like, yes, I do envision, then they start to do it with more confidence and, and it shows up in their work and then their work gets better. They get more attention. And it's like this literal, like amazing synergistic experience. Um, and so it's really fun to see that mirrored here in your experience. And also, um, you come from a huge background. I mean, like, it would be really funny to try and imagine in a numerical form how many people you have photographed, because that would be a hilarious number, right? Because... Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Like just take every day you've been alive and multiply it by like a hundred and we'll be close. So it's like this idea that you really tap in, tap in. So you've honed that skill. You, you think like a street photographer, you teach like a street photographer. Um, you're a wedding and event photographer, which God love everyone who works a in portraiture, which I think is like so hard. And then B let's amp it up and have portraits of like one of the most meaningful days or, you know, like never to repeat events, potentially like all this stuff. That, and, and yeah. May I just say that when I shot weddings, which was uh, in the eighties, mm -hmm. we used to get rolls of film. They, mm -hmm. we used to get rolls of film. And I shot, I shot weddings with film. So yes. talk about being, I mean, you know, maybe that will advance in the camera. Mm -hmm. Oh, kind of be honest yeah. with you, shooting a wedding is like a piece of cake. And I mean, don't quote me on that, but um, it's much easier because you know instantly if you're getting things, you can see what you're getting. You've got probably two cameras and you're just going at it. I mean, I, I don't shoot weddings anymore. And I did shoot an event for someone recently because it was a friend of a friend. 
And it was, uh, it was wonderful. It was fun, you know? Um, but I, I don't do that work anymore, but mm -hmm. I did do, I did shoot portraits, uh, for like 30 years. And my whole shtick was photographing children. And I did that for, you know, portraits for people. And I, that was my thing in commercial work. Mm -hmm. And some people at Nickelodeon used to call it the Barb thing um, because <laughs> they wanted basically what it's all about is it does go back to street photography because mm -hmm. it's all about the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've since day one, since literally you mentioned Walker Evans, Dorothea Lang, Cartier Brasson, Helen Levitt, you know, Winogrand, they're all like sort of like running through my veins always. Mm -hmm. And so that's my base. Mm -hmm. That will never change because there's nothing harder to do than to get a great image on the streets. Mm -hmm. Because basically you're having to pull everything together, composition, you know, the geometry of it, the expression of it, the moment that lasts like a 60th of a second. And to be able to do that, there's a, it's a huge art to it. So if you're actually studying that, there's no, there's nothing that you can't photograph. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I, I was very lucky when I got my first break, when I got out of art school, I couldn't get a job doing anything because they didn't teach, teach us anything about lighting. You know, it was just about art. It was just about you. <laughs> Right. Which is great. But I did have an interview with this gentleman in a big uh, tech firm. And I and he said they said, come with a portfolio, but don't bring anything slick. And I was like, fantastic. Because mm. A, I don't have a slick portfolio. And B, I've got these 16 by 20 prints of street photos. So I that's what I went with. I, mm. And I showed this gentleman and he looked at it all and he was fascinated mm. he said to me if you can shoot these kids yes. you can shoot an executive behind his desk so he gave me my first big break and he was absolutely wonderful. that's so good and I think that now more than ever um it's so interesting because you're talking about transferable skills right mm -hmm. and you're talking about a foundation but you're also talking about this idea that commercial versus quote fine art has been so like you're talking two different highways on two different coasts and you're really not. And, and I've watched that happen, especially in the last two decades. And this idea that when you call it the Barb thing, if people can do the whoever their name is thing, mm -hmm. that's what you get hired for. It's like hone your vision and then you've got people who consider themselves fine art shooting commercially because the brand is like, we want that flavor here. We want your eye on it. Um, so I love that those barriers are breaking down and that that's, you know, that that's happening because it's true. But I think that one of the things, it must've been in what I was reading, um, uh, about you and about how you shoot, about how you teach. It might even have been about, um, you know, one of your workshops because you've com you've combined street photography. You've done a lot of things in different countries. Sometimes you bring people to different countries. So my idea that uh, somewhere you mention in addition to like gesture and expression and the composition and the geometry when you're taking an image on the street, um, you're also talking about catching allegory or metaphor, which is really what you got when you saw your husband's 
Mm. you know, that Renaissance light hitting the plastic of that machine, right? Like that kind of dissonance that you, you know, um, it's disjointed and that's actually the really good thing. Um, so how do you think about that? How do you think about like capturing allegory or, or metaphor? It's almost like you animate it. Yeah. So metaphorically, I believe it all sort of, uh, comes together in an innate way. I hate to keep saying that, but that's sort of the way I work. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I kind of have an idea of what I'm looking for, but I also don't know what I'm walking into, which is mm -hmm. kind of wonderful uh -huh. because there's a lot of mystery there. Yeah. And in case some cases, I would have people send me a picture of your bedroom and I would get a picture of the bedroom with all the lights on and the windows are blacked out and all this. And it's like, OK, whatever. But oftentimes I meet someone and, and then we're going to go to their house. So there's there's a beauty to that. Uh, unveiling, mm. Mm -hmm. which is like a blank canvas, if you will. Mm hmm. So unless, unless a person is houseless, I'm walking into pretty much four walls with some kind of window. Mm -hmm. Except for the case of Billy mm -hmm. in the South who had no, no window. And mm -hmm. he was the only one I photographed without any, any light. I thought that was a, I thought I blew that picture and ends up being one of people's favorite pictures, Billy. But mostly there's some source of light. So my first, <laughs> the first thing I'm thinking about whenever I, I start is, of course, the light, you know, the yeah. light, the light, the light, go, where's the light? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that's, um, that's wonderful, because that's a fantastic place to always start. And there could be a lack of light, or there could be too much, or whatever, but you've got to work it out. So these are all the things that I've learned over the course of years, being in situations where I've had to photograph something mm -hmm. on the fly. So I've mm -hmm. learned all that. Um, and I like the challenge. Let's mm -hmm. be honest. I do mm -hmm. like the challenge. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there's a lot of things happening here because you have people that you've never met before mm -hmm. and they're just meeting me and you will talk a little bit, maybe sit in the living room, maybe sit on the couch or the porch and, and have a little talk and they get more comfortable. Another thing that I must mention is a lot of these photographs started, I started to build um, a library of paintings in my mm. phone. So I would do classical paintings and contemporary paintings. And so there's a really wonderful uh, Instagram called Mirtha Ferris. And uh, every day they post a couple of uh, figurative um, contemporary paintings, usually contemporary. Mm. And I, I use that as a beautiful source. So what I would do is, let's say I was going to do a couple and they're in their 30s. I would go through my painting archive and pull a few images, maybe 10. And if I get into their house and their bedroom and they're really nervous and they really don't know what they want to do, I would say, hey, let's look at some of these paintings. So mm -hmm. I would just get my phone, I have it ready, 10 paintings and just scroll and they would go, oh, oh, I really like this. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. So that would be a great starting point. And now they're sort of involved and it's a little bit of, you know, their two cents in the mix mm -hmm. and their vision. Mm -hmm. And then, so we'll start there and then we, we, you know, digress to other situations. I usually try to shoot 
from two angles is something that I is in in my brain from Mary Ellen Mark from when I studied with her. <laughs> and uh, this is one thing that I remember, and it's always in my head every time she's with me all the time. She, uh, you know, she said, you know, get the photograph. That's your instinct to get, but then walk around and get it from the other side. Mm-hmm. Always, you know, change. So I always try to do that. And sometimes some, you know, you always have your intuition. Oh, there's the light. Here's why I want to, bam, I want to shoot, do that. And then you force yourself to move something, go around and get it from a different angle. Sometimes that's the better shot. Yeah. Yeah. That openness is so important. I love that when I get to teach people over a period of time, um, in a concept aware class, I love to hone in on giving someone who's just like in love with pastels and really like a pictorialist at heart. And then I'll say, okay, can you do some black and white graphics or some cityscapes <laughs> or blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and I get this because when I was in design school, that happened too. We literally had to do, like, it was so funny. One time um, I was at FIT and I was designing a line of clothing and I had to choose all colors that I actually hated and, mm-hmm. and, and literally, and, and it was really fun to watch like that happened to me. I, I both in designing like that, where I ended up going, okay, so turquoise isn't like awful. Like you end up starting to open up to it and it happened big time. Um, I did a class in Paris and, and I was all set to like one thing and not another. It happened to be when um, the Musée d'Orsay moved to the um, train and uh, spot then. And then at the same time, it was the pyramids in the middle of the Louvre. And I thought, I'm gonna love Musée d'Orsay because I always loved that collection. And I did not, I was frustrated and didn't like it. And the pyramids, which kind of felt offensive. And I'm like, I'm going to really hate that. I adored (laughs) literally. So it's like, you've got to be open to that idea, like of moving, 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 moving. Um, Doing your all, doing everything you can. I mean, there I am, I've traveled who who knows how many miles and how much it cost me to get there. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm only going to be here now. This is it. This is my chance. So I got to really nail it. I've got to really, really like invest myself into getting it as best I can. And, and I, and, and sometimes people say to me, and they've always said this to me and people actually still say this to me, how many pictures do you take? Well, I take as many pictures as I need to take until I get it. And then I take a few more. Mm-hmm. That's what I've said always for anything portrait shoot, commercial shoot, anything. Mm-hmm. Once I nail it, I feel good. Take a few yeah. more. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> and you're good. That's, that's, that's wonderful confidence. And it's also experience speaking, but I have to ask about editing because how, like, sorry, like, because you make such an intimate connection, not getting all of your folks in a book must have been really, really hard. Yes. It is just, just brutal. Yeah. And, uh, it was brutal. And it's, and, you know, I saw something the other day, a friend of the family's and I'm like, I'm so I'm sorry you didn't make the book. So here's what we did. So it was kind of like what people refer to as choral editing. So I had a group of, of, of folks. So basically the book is broken into five sections you're probably one of the only people outside the realm of editing and, and, and our world that's seen the actual book. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there's five sections, Northeast, South, Midwest, Northwest, and the Southwest. And I knew, you can correct me on this, you might know a little bit more about this, but I've been told that usually a book, a photo book is good around 80 to 90 images, that that's about maybe 80 to 100 images. That's about what a person can take looking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I knew that the images would be in that in that range. Mm -hmm. Then I decided, you know, how many images for each each section and I came to 18 mm -hmm. and it brought me to 90 images. Wow. Yep. That's the beginning steps and this kind of formulated and I had to I had to decide this very fast when I when I started talking to KR because uh, they needed to give me a quote on how mm -hmm. much the book potentially would cost. Mm -hmm. And so I had to come up with that. So I came up with that. So then from there, for the actual editing process, I had five sections and then I pulled together a team of seven people, including Sarah Lean, who was on, on the, I asked her if she'd help and she said she'd help. So that was fantastic. And then my older son, who's basically we're very similar. <laughs> um, he's a photographer, filmmaker, and a painter. Um, and he understands, and he's been with me every step of the way. So he knows all my work. He knows every image I've taken. And he's my, like the hardest editor critic that I know. And mm -hmm. then a handful of other folks. So there were seven. Um, so what I did was I would go into the Northeast and I looked at everything from the Northeast and I pulled the 35 best contenders for that section. And I made a PDF for my, my editors. Mm -hmm. It had to be with a statement because I'm adamant and I've been adamant about it since I had that moment with Papere. None of my images are published. None, you will not see any of my images unless they have the statement. It's, it's, it's part there. Mm -hmm. They're not separated. Yep. So I, I had to make a PDF that had the statement and the photograph, 35 images, send it out to everyone and they were to pick 20. Mm -hmm. So when their picks came in, I had a, a chart, a graph, a chart with thumbnails of each image and I put stars on their picks. So mm -hmm. what started to happen was there were slam dunks, let's say the couple in front of the American flag, for instance, with the Star Wars figurine, <laughs> that's a slam dunk. Uh, everyone wanted so that that's easy. That's easy. Mm -hmm. older couple, the older couple sleeping, you know, with the with the her beautiful uh, gray hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what's so funny. Sorry to interrupt, but it's yeah. like anytime you mention an image, it's like I know them, right? Like, I mean, the, when you say slam dunk, it could also be like seared in your brain, right? Like I can conjure them up, which is yeah. what's exactly what you want, right? But, been, yeah, those have been yeah. kind of shown quite a bit because they're sort of what we would call like the more very popular images from the from the collection mm -hmm. but um so then so those slam dunks were easy okay great but then where it got dicey and then some didn't some images just weren't on the radar at all mm -hmm. at all no one no one picked them or they'd have one star or two but where it started getting dicey was where there were like four people liked it or five and those were the ones that we started to have to whittle down and we started looking at things such as well do we have too many mid-age couples or do we not have enough older people or do we not have um, enough ethnicity and 
uh, different types of couples, et cetera. So we made all those decisions mm -hmm. and pulled up with the 20, which mm -hmm. gave me flux of two. So mm -hmm. I kept the 20 until we were completely done with all the editing. Mm -hmm. And in the very beginning, everyone had about a week to make their stuff. And then as it got towards the end, it was like, okay, I need this in two days because I had deadlines. Mm -hmm. um, but and, and, and it was really, really hard. And there, I would say there's probably 10, 10 images that I love to death that did not make the book. Mm -hmm. And that's just mm -hmm. the way it is. I mean, we had to look at the statement. We had to look at the power of the image. We had to look at um, the demographics of that area and um inclusion mm -hmm. there was you know and do we have too many uh you know same-sex couples in, in portland oregon for instance mm -hmm. yes we did we had two phenomenal ones mm -hmm. i had to not use one that i absolutely love. so that's how we did it. totally totally hard i really really get it but i appreciate you sharing just how um, systematic you were and intentional. And um, anyone who works with me knows one of my favorite uh, words and activities is building a matrix. And mm. that matrix moves over time as you get clearer about what you're saying. And it is that like, combing through and then and having some hardcore things like you know having to let go of certain ones I I I always look at my curation as a collaborative effort and and I can know when I'm going to quote fight for an image and I can know when a photographer is going to fight for an image and we're both going to win and lose right you know that's just the way it works like it's got to be this it's an orchestration it's a um uh, it, there's a cinematic component to it. That there's a lot of scoring, right? Like where you have to go in and out and hit different notes. Um, so I, I totally know that. And I have to tell you that one of my images that I've seen that isn't in the book and I get it, and I can't remember the woman's name, but she basically was sitting on the edge of her bed, enjoying a cigarette and saying, I can smoke in the house now because her husband oh, had died. Betty, Betty. Oh. Yeah, Betty. Oh. oh, I love that image too. Yeah, I love that image too. She was really close to being mm. in the book. Mm -hmm. Very, very close. I love that. And yeah, rest in peace, Betty. She is mentioned in the I have a rest in peace because this is yes, I saw that. I've Ooh, had so sorry. Many lovely people pass. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. And wow. and yeah. while while I was printing, while I was in Germany. Germany. Wow message that uh karen who is in the book who was very excited to be in the book and she was an interior designer she's the beautiful woman in that yes. like light yes. pink silky i know exactly on the edge yeah. of her bed her yeah. Yeah. Yep. and she was went into hospice the day we oh, started printing wow and she was so excited she ordered a book she was so excited it's very very sad and she passed away um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that actually we lost someone I was during photo Lucida and someone who actually was chronicling the end of their life as they knew it was imminent uh, passed. And, and I had just looked at that work. So yeah, that, that you can't make that I up. Saw that last week. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. But it's this idea. I mean, I am, I'm really, really interested in um, what I think is, 
super amazing. And it's, it's like, okay, I kept going with this fly on the wall because you are like that, but you also have this, like, you're like Felix, the cat, you have like a bag <laughs> full of tricks. Like, and, and I don't mean tricks in like, you know, some subversive way. I mean, you, you bring so much to it and you, you think quickly and you respond quickly. You anticipate some things, but you're ready to go. Um, and then just when there's these hardcore limitations that happen. So kudos, kudos. And I, I appreciated the five categories and I, and I love that you've given them these names, woken by dogs, close to the bone, ah. colorblind, no dress rehearsal, dreams room free. And so can I ask you, did you recognize where they all came from? Yeah, they all came from statements by the people. Yeah. I mean, that took me like two in. I was like, I was like, woken, woken by, by dogs. dogs and then so I got esoteric. it. But yeah. It, yeah, it's so esoteric. No one's going to understand it at all. And I love that because it's yeah. like, let's, let's not, let's not give everything away. Yeah. You know, let's let there be some mystery there. Um, so how that kind of happened was interesting to me because um, originally I was just thinking it was silly kind of, you know, just naming them simple Northwest, you know, so <laughs> that, that was in my mind, you know, you know, and, um, I hadn't, I hadn't developed it any further. And then, um, I had to put Hawaii into the Southwest and I know it's not part of the Southwest, but I had to do that because I didn't get to go to Texas, um, as much as I wanted to, because everything was wrapping up and I had signed this contract and I had to finish and I had no money to go back to Texas in no time. Mm -hmm. So I do have two images from Texas, but I didn't get to shoot Texas. You know yep. what I mean? Like I yeah. get to, to go yeah. and that's what I have planned to. And I was actually going to Texas the night COVID hit and mm -hmm. I was supposed to go and, I, and I, I, I was sitting on my couch ready to fly. And mm -hmm. the next day, I go. but so my son Landon and, and you'll see, he was thanked in the book in the back. He said to me, you cannot put Hawaii, you can't call it the Southwest. You can't, you just can't. I'm like, okay, then Then what should I do? He said, well, why don't you pull a, a phrase from mm -hmm. one of the statements? Mm -hmm. I said, that is genius. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Genius child. And that's what we did. That's <laughs> so good. And that's so helpful. You know, I just, um, uh, in my last podcast, I referred to a book uh, called Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. And, and in reading that, she was about to do the same thing, like, you know, give people the parameters she was working within. And they um, uh, kind of ran it by their interns, all the graduate interns. And they're like, wait, what? Why don't you group it like this? And it's genius, right? It's like, and it's, it's all about collaboration. It's all about being able to um, bring in someone else's idea. And then it's like a real sweet spot, right? I mean, it's just kind of, it just echoes. So I, I really loved that you did that. I loved one. I just, I was just like in love with that whole concept. And then we had list from mm -hmm. a list of which, which phrases yes yes editing which phrase you would okay. take yeah yeah i can see it now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's so interesting and it's such a it's such a um a testament to the way in which you work you're really open to um 
like you have big, bold ideas, but you don't hold on to them with a fist. You're like with an open hand there, which is really helpful. Um, I wanted to ask about on the way to the book and kind of a little bit more about what I what I perceive, which is so interesting. Um, and that is that there is a huge interest outside of America about what America is mm -hmm. and how many ways in which your work has been like translated in different languages and some Slavic countries and European countries that, you know, are, are her heralding this work. But I guess I would love a notion of yours of what it was like to know what did and didn't work in amplifying the work. Like once, once it was on, like it was solidly your project, it was solidly getting funding, it was solidly uh, foundationally moving forward. You had to make the decision to do a book. You had to decide how to do that book, like with whom and with what funding. And then like how, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost how you nurtured the work, like how you let it out in the world and what came back and what didn't. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a, uh, yeah. That it, So it is a bit of a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, uh, I think that Instagram helps a lot. Um, and what I don't like oversharing a lot. So my whole thing was when I was on a journey, I would post maybe two images a week mm -hmm. uh, and we did some behind the scenes stuff. Um, I wanted, I didn't want to, um, I wanted it to be sort of succinct in the way I was putting the work out into the world, mm -hmm. very uh, intentional, picking, sitting with the images for a while and picking the one or the one, sometimes it would be two that were great, but, and then I would never post anything until I got the statement. So once I got the statement, I would, I would post the image and, and that, and I just kept doing that year after year. So the body of work was just building and the areas that I was traveling to uh, all over the, the country. Um, so I'm trying to remember your exact question. Kind of what stuck and what didn't in the sense that like if I were to look at your, um, you in the media, um, half of it was, US-based media oh, and yeah. half wasn't. Well, the, um, okay, let's, let, let's have a little joke here first. Let me start it <laughs> off with a joke. Here's the joke. And this, and, and this is very interesting because mm -hmm. we're talking about a seven-year span. Mm -hmm. So something has happened in the climate of this mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. Shall I say, mm -hmm. let's first, first I'll say images I posted seven years ago, I cannot post today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's that here's the second here's the joke here's uh here's the u.s someone in the u.s saying this to me you've got too much nudity in your book here's the europeans you don't have enough you don't have that much nudity in your book 
This is literal. People have said this to me. So there's a nudity issue. Mm -hmm. um, and it does not exist outside the USA that I can mm. see. Uh, I have had a lot of issues lately in the last year. Mm. And I've been shut down on Facebook five, six times for images that I had posted some of them years ago. Mm -hmm. um, if you scroll on my Instagram, you can go way to the bottom. You'll see images that are that are okay to post and 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 not now. Um, but I think that in so there's two things: the curiosity about lifestyle in the U.S. is, I think, always there for European countries mm -hmm. and beyond. But there were particular pockets like Germany, like it's, I was when I was at uh, uh, Perpignan getting the Getty afterwards, we had a panel and discussion and I came off the panel, literally walked off the panel and a, and a journalist from a, a German journalist walked right up to me and he was so excited about the project and it, it kind of blew me away. I'm like, whoa, oh, okay. That was wild to me. And they ended up being the pub, you know, publishers. But yes, um, a lot of interest because I think also um you know in Denmark they're very interested in this work they love the openness they love the naturalism mm -hmm. they love the nudity uh they don't feel like this country where they have a problem with nudity here's another story I photographed a holocaust survivor that was supposed to be in the book she was selected, she was in the book and from Kansas City. And I photographed her about three years ago, maybe two and a half. And in the meantime, her family decided for her that they did not think she would like to be in a book where there was nudity. And so I said to them, so she would not want a painting of herself in a museum? And I, I couldn't get a real answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they just decided and so we had to pull the image mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so in this country there's a problem with nudity mm -hmm. and and showing um but it it's not the case in other countries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. much much more openness and and that that's basically what i shot were these people that i met who would literally take their clothing off without thinking at all beyond the fact that they wanted to be an honest portrayal of who they are. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. so brave. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I would not take all my clothes off for a complete stranger to be in a book or to be, I just don't think I would do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, but, I mean, I might do something, but you know, and everybody had their thing, you know, some people didn't want to be nude and I never asked anyone to be nude, by the way, mm -hmm. contrary to what it looks like. Uh, that was always the decision of, of, of my subjects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say, what do you sleep in? Oh, well, we sleep in the nude. Well, what would you like to do with the photograph? Oh, we'll just, you know, take off their clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, or in mm -hmm. some cases, you know, partly clothed or whatever. But um, yeah, so I think there's a, just a deep interest in 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 the lifestyle and 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 who we are um, in this country, Americans. And I think the openness of the project appeals to to the Europeans. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that and it actually came up in another podcast as well. Um, the idea of comfortability in your own skin, the idea of, um, yeah, it, it's ironically puritanical. Oh, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. It, yeah. that it's yeah. like, yeah, like years can go by, but that doesn't change. And um, that's kind of amazing. Um, I think it's that some people just want to be like the quintessential self, their quintessential self. Yes, quintessential I- authenticity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My mother used to have to say, I used to have a saying that we all came in the same way in this world and we're all going out the same way. It's like, hello, like that's what it is, you know? Um, but I think we, we don't have time to unpack all these other areas, but I, I think in in another way, and this is going to happen maybe because the book is coming out, um, not yet in the US, but it'll be here soon. And um, the idea that there'll be hopefully reflection on it. But what I'm trying to get at is when you look at Walker Evans, and then the ability for us to look at him um, in, in hindsight, there's all these insights, right? And there's also this correlation that he himself, um, which I find fascinating, and it's also parallel to what you're talking about, is that he came, he went to Paris, he leaned into a European sensibility of seeing, and then he brought that to the United States, which is similar to what you're finding you have Uh, inadvertently done as well. And so what I'm excited to think about and, and we'll have, we'd have to have you come back after I had more time to think about it, but it's the idea of how you could, you could look at the analysis of um, uh, consumerism, of capitalism, of uh, uh, what, it is that America is also projecting in these images. Um, there's a lot of those layers. I think that I think I um, and many people, because of the pairing of the text and the image, really go to the heart of the matter. So we get kind of caught up in the heart of it, the emotion of it. And I'm, I'm, you know, these things stay in my head, and I think about them on these other levels, and I'm really going to come back and look at that and think about that too, right? I mean, it, and it, it was interesting when you said that you wanted to share a story and something over the seven years, I was thinking, well, these seven years have been pretty damn rough uh, in our territory on so many levels. And then again, you are showing our connectivity, you are showing something that is human and essential, like, as you said, quintessential, and, and that that's, that's actually what Evans did too, through a different time frame. Um, and, and, and I, I know we're going to have to close soon, but one of the things I want to share is someone recently described something. And I think that your book does this. It's really kind of comical. Uh, they talked about the Pink Floyd cover with the prism and mm-hmm. they were like, for those of us old enough to know that, uh, the idea that there is a stream of light that comes in and gets refracted into all these individual streams of color and individuality. And it's like, 
that is what's before us. Like, are we going to get that we are all that one stream of light? Like, yes, it might be, you know, a different language, a different culture, a different religion, a different ethnicity, a different economics, yada, yada. But there's the core. So it's so interesting that at this time, you are giving us a monofilament that I hope we hold on to. Um, yeah, I um in the in in my afterward, I think you probably read it, but um what was really important to me, and what I said was something magical, kind of happened once I walked into a bedroom, and that was ideologies and religion and politics kind of just mm -hmm. disappeared because it was person to person mm -hmm. and we're on a different level and we're talking about the big things you know oh I'm a widow I lost my husband or you know um I lost you know a, a sibling or I'm alone I have no no family or whatever mm -hmm. the you know I've been divorced uh I'm thinking of the person in his bedroom in probably the East Village that said like, oh my God, I can be who I am here. I'm, I live in freedom or another person that you uh, captured that basically said in my bedroom, I'm a work of art, you oh, know, yes. like, so all those. Yeah, yeah I, love, uh, I love that's Dale in the East Village. And he said that I never wanted to be a girl. I just wanted to be a cowboy with red lipstick. I just yes. wanted to be yeah. You just I, made the book, buddy. You just made the totally. book. Totally. Actually, it's so funny because I I, I grabbed quotes because I had to. My very first one was cowboy with red lipstick. Um, I loved Shane and Carrie when they said, life is tough, but we good. Oh, and here's love a story. I know we don't have a lot of time, but that image mm. was a lost image. No one liked that image but me. Mm. And I... I, it's way down and you know, if people are nude and, and, and I post them, they'll get like a thousand likes, but if people have clothes on and some guy in paradise <laughs> is hugging his dog and he's just escaped death, it gets like a hundred likes. So, you know, uh, one thing I have to say is you, you know, social media is not the barometer for, no. for, for your you know, people have to know that. But anyway, so that image kind of got was was forgotten about. But here was the magical thing. When we did the choral editing, that rose up to the top. People mm -hmm. loved it. I was mm -hmm. so happy about that. I was like, it came back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. One of the other quotes, it was from Micah and Cody. They said, love is acquiescent. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that word means. So of course I look it up and it means expanding and enriching. It's actually a lot. It's used botanically a lot. And I thought, well, that's your book. It's mm. acquiescent. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then on, on a, on an ending note, I understand you will be signing books at Paris photo. So Yahoo. Yes. And, and somewhere there was a whiff of you're not done. And I love that you talked about one project finishes and it opens up room for another. And I think I have an inkling of where at least an umbrella of your next project, if you want to say that or not. Um, but I, I have two things. I would like to direct this movie that I wrote a script to potentially mm -hmm. next uh, June, if it all works out. We'll do this kind of micro budget film and um I'd like to try my hand at that. Mm -hmm. Um about alcoholism and recovery and two sisters and uh 
will be shot in Biddeford. So that's a mm -hmm. project I hope to do. And then um, as for my next uh, photographic project, I would like to uh, work on a project of uh, female farmers. Mm -hmm. It'll be my third American uh, topic, mm -hmm. my trilogy. Mm -hmm. And if I could do, uh, I'm trying to research and find a four generational family to photograph and a very intimate, very, very intimate project. No running around to 50 states. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like uh, Alessandra uh, Seguiniti, is that yes. how you say it? Mm -hmm. like, or something along that line, that very, um, you know, uh, Larry Towles, uh, Mennonites, you know, just very intimate. Uh, mm -hmm. and I look really forward to that because I haven't done anything like that for a while because, you know, I'm in and out of bedrooms and, you know, as intimate as I did get, mm. it was all, you know, fast, an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um, now I would like to embed myself into a project and um, get back some of that street photography uh, talent, I suppose, and, and those moments and all that and, and, and just shoot something just like inside out. Mm -hmm. And again, that's you know, fly on the wall. Which every time you say that, I I'm thankful that that you say that because that's 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 what we really aim for as photographers. It's mm -hmm. not not seen. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Aware of us. Mm hmm. Right. 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 That people, your subjects, collaborators, forget that they forget the camera. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, Barbara, this has been a treat and um, and you have made me like laugh. You've given me goosebumps. Uh, it's been a surprise and, and, and a delight. So thank you so much for American Bedroom. My honor. Thank you for joining our conversation. I'm excited to offer two online workshops this fall that introduce aspects of my concept-aware framework, one in October and the other in December. These small group interactive virtual workshops will delve into specifics on how you see and why it matters. The results will include practical and applicable tools to add to your existing creative practices. Details and registration can be found under the Services tab on my website, jsibillasmith.com. There, you will also find specifics on how to work together and examples of my experiences as an independent curator, educator, and consultant. And also, visit our archive of over 70 concept-aware episodes, each with detailed hyperlinked resources that we discover during our conversations. Lastly, if you enjoy our podcast, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate when you share this resource and give us a shout out. Concept Aware is being listened to by thousands in over 60 countries. Please connect on other social media platforms where you will find me under J. Sibylla. I use all these methods to engage and expand our global visual culture conversation.